back to this It's time for the 5-Minute Major Podcast. What is the uh, significance of that name? Now here's your hosts, Matt Mastro-Giovanni and Dave Morris. That's what the people came to see. A 5-Minute Major Podcast. What took you so long to finally seal the deal, my man? Let's go. Hey guys, how's it going? Welcome to another episode of Five Minute Major. We are back. Dave here, along with my co-host and broadcaster and broadcaster in crime, as always, Matt Mastriavani. I had trouble speaking there, Matt, but Matt, how's it going? <laughs> it's going well. Um, welcome back from the IR. Um, Thank you. The co- what, what was it? What was it? The, the COVID list? Yeah, short-term IR, as I tweeted from the podcast yeah. account, but. Good to have you back and good to talk some hockey after a couple weeks off. Um, some good flyer stuff to talk about. And then if you don't know, it is All-Star Weekend uh, is approaching on Friday and Saturday in Florida at the Panthers Arena. So we have a lot to talk about with that. We have a lot to talk about with how the Flyers wrapped up their last handful of games or so before the All-Star break. And I'm sure we'll get off on a couple tangents as well. So... Stick yeah. with us, but we're going to kind of recap the last couple weeks in review for the Flyers first, and then we will go on from there. I mean, of course, also, we are also a Philadelphia-based podcast. The Birds are going to the Super Bowl. Have to mention that, even though we're a hockey podcast. Yeah. Yep. Yep. NFC champions, not a big deal, and they are facing former Philly coach, I almost said Phillies, former Philadelphia Eagles coach Andy Reid, who we both grew up. I mean, I definitely grew up with him. Yes. He was he, here for 14 years. Yeah. So, and then we have the Kelsey matchup. We have MVP versus MVP caliber quarterback and Mahomes and Hurts. Um, it's it's a lot of the, the region, the Delaware Valley region, with the exception, I guess, of New Jersey because of the Giants. Yikes. Um, well, no- North Jersey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, is a buzz with Philadelphia Eagles fever. And, you know, we're a little over a week or so away from the game. We had Groundhog Days today, so, I mean... Yeah, did, did, didn't didn't the Groundhog not see his shadow, so we have more days of winter ahead? No, I think he, I think seeing his... means six more weeks of winter. Okay, it, it's, so. it's, it's, it's all bullshit anyway. Groundhog Day isn't real, folks. Hope I didn't rain, anyone, rain on anyone's braid, but science yeah. disproves that. You never, you never know with that little guy, so... All I know is it's going to be freaking freezing tomorrow and Saturday. That's all I know. Yeah. So, but stay warm out there. But, Dave, speaking of warm, I feel like that's kind of how the Flyers have been the past couple weeks. Yeah. Uh, a little lukewarm, a little cold. Um, so, let's see. Where did we last leave off? I believe we left off with the loss. No, we, we left. Well, the last game we talked about was – the five to two win over the Ducks and the Ivan Provorov situation. Uh, uh, right. So we we recorded on the 18th. Uh, we were both boots on the ground mm-hmm. for the 2000s throwback night against the Chicago Blackhawks, which was a disappointing loss. Yes. Um, the Flyers. So that's where we, that's where we left off. So we have the the Blackhawks game to talk about from the 19th, the Red Wings game on the 21st, the first Jets game on the 22nd. The L.A. Kings game on the 24th, the Wild game on the 26th, and then the second game against the Jets on the 28th. So 
Lao Hockey. Yeah, I mean, I'll start with the the Chicago game because, like, like you said, we were both at the arena. The prints that they gave out for twenty two thousands night, sorry, 2010, 2010's throwback night is next Thursday, the ninth. So, yes. um, but the prints they gave away were very cool. I got three of them for um, myself and a couple of my friends, and then obviously you and Brenna were there, which was cool. So it was nice to meet up for a quick chat between periods and snagged one of the prints for Hoagie. There you go. But, um, yeah, it was cool. I mean, we got to see the Flyers wear their reverse retro jerseys and the Cooper Alls for warm-ups, which, is, I mean, is a absolutely yeah, is a, great, look. a great look. Um, that was kind of on my bucket list for this season Is this was to see the Cooper Alls and the reverse retros in person as opposed to just on TV. So it was nice to see that. Aside from that, the game was kind of a dud. It was like the battle of the – bottom of the barrel not necessarily for the flyers but for the blackhawks i mean you can argue that the blackhawks are a glorified version of their ahl affiliate the rockford ice hogs this season Mm -hmm. with the exception of i guess patrick kane jonathan taze seth jones and max domi would probably be their big four at this point and max domi and seth jones aren't very good anymore yeah so um i mean it's the flyers again they they scored first and then morgan frost had a hell of a goal yeah, and then um, Andreas Athanasiu scored shortly after, but it was called offsides after video review, which was a great challenge by the Flyers. But then the Flyers, I mean, throughout the rest of the game, they had their chances. They just couldn't capitalize. There were some crazy plays around the Blackhawks' net that they just couldn't, again, they couldn't put the puck in the net. And the Blackhawks scored. They put up four goals on Carter Hart. And, I mean, it was just a dud of a game. And, and you know what? It, you know who was a net for the Blackhawks that evening, right? Yes, sir. Peter Mrazek. Former, former Flyer legend Peter Mrazek came in, and he actually played a pretty good game. And yeah. that's kind of the the, the long-lost tale as old as time tale here in Philadelphia is whenever a former Flyer or a ex-draft pick comes to town, they're yep. going to have a night, and he had a night. And the, to be fair, the Blackhawks had been playing well they're playing better going into that game. Like they just beat the Sabres the other night um, last week or two weeks yeah. ago at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Flyers, you know, they got caught in a trap game. They, a yeah. team, they are easily better than on paper. If you ask me, if you take away caves and Tane, uh, mm-hmm. they're, they're better. And they got outworked by the Blackhawks and the better team that night won. Yeah. But uh, moving on to the next one, quick, Dave, we'll kind of go rapid fire here through the last few games before the All-Star break. The Flyers had really uh, only a day off between games uh, and went to Detroit on Saturday the 21st. That was kind of the game that no one really watched because that same night was the Eagles' um, first-round divisional playoff game against the New York Giants in Philadelphia. The Flyers' game was in Detroit at Little Caesars Arena. But the Flyers did win. Uh, there was no scoring at all until the third period. Mm-hmm. Scott Lawton and Noah Cates both got on the board. And then Lucas Raymond scored with just about 30 seconds left in the game to make it 2-1. But other than that, I mean, the Flyers, again, they get a win against a team that I think it's tough. I don't think Detroit's a good team. I will say that. They've gotten a lot better over the past probably four or five years because they've gotten the draft picks. They've gotten the young talent. Um, but I mean, it's a good game, a two, one game, really. And there's no scoring for two periods. So you have Hart making 30 saves. You have again, Lawton and Kate scoring, which is good for the depth, good for morale, so to speak. So that's a good road win. And I'm sure they were 
pumped to also find out that the Eagles clobbered the Giants as well. So um, I didn't get to watch much of that, really any of it, because, again, I was watching the Eagles game. So, Dave, any any analysis from there or it, we just move on? It was nice that the Flyers at least started in like about, about an hour or so before the Eagles. So I did have it on before them, but I was watching scoreless hockey. Mm-hmm. Um it was good back and forth chances. Carter Hart, I thought, played well. You know, Detroit's in a similar spot with the Flyers. Oh, well, you might argue Detroit has more up and coming, brighter stars and a brighter future. Like they'll be better than the Flyers quicker. Yeah. Um, the Flyers are one point ahead of them in the standings. Like they're both technically in the playoff mix. Both teams probably won't make the playoffs. Um, but I as will, of now, they're they're in the mix and I they're both kind of too. in a similar spot. Yeah, I will say this too, not to cut you off, but. Win- or not Winnipeg, sorry, we're getting them next. But Detroit is better in the Flyers, better than the Flyers, just in the fact that Detroit is actually has actually committed to a rebuild. Yes. As opposed to half-assing and not even trying to do a rebuild, just doing a quote-unquote retool, which again was a lie. So props to... It's a retool, Charlie. Yeah. Props to Detroit for actually committing to the rebuild. They've gotten some great young talent over the past handful of years or so. Right. And they're, I, think, I mean, I think they probably will be, I think, I mean, they'll, they'll be better than the Flyers sooner than we think, maybe. Um, I mean, they, they actually have like high end top elite talent on their team yeah. and in their pipeline. Whereas the Flyers as of now don't really have that except for Carter Hart, I feel like. Yeah. I mean, we have Airson, which is nice. Like. I will but we say, don't know I what think... he is yet. We don't know if Airson, you know, if this was just a flash in the pan. We don't know if he's becomes the next thing and overthrows Carter Hart, he could just be a good, he could just be a, a, an okay starter slash backup. You know, we really yeah. don't know what he is. Yeah, that's true. Um, but yeah, I mean, again, they, they at least they pull out a win against Detroit in an yeah. away game. And then uh, they have the second part of a back-to-back weekend back in Philadelphia against the Winnipeg Jets. Again, I didn't, I forget what I was doing, but I didn't get to watch any of this game. But the Jets blew a three-goal lead um, to the Flyers with Kevin Hayes scoring twice in the game. But then the Jets get two more goals, one of which is an empty netter in the third period, and they win 5-3. to Felix Sandstrom's first start in net since coming back from his conditioning stint, and he stunk. Yeah, Um, handing the Flyers the loss there, so that was a tough game. Um, Again, I didn't really get to watch any of it, but it's good that, again, that I guess Hayes kind of – quote-unquote, backs up his all-star game selection in a little bit. But good to see him uh, produce again. Um, Tippett had an assist. D'Angelo had two assists. I think he's got he's had his ups and downs recently, but I think he's had more ups than downs. We'll talk about also the L.A. Kings game, which is very interesting because I was very hot-headed after that game. So, um, And also in Minnesota. So. Um, but Dave, thoughts on the Winnipeg loss, and then we'll go on to our last three games. I mean, the Winnipeg loss, I kind of watched about half the game and then just turned it off to watch other things just because I was getting pissed off at how they were playing. Um, it's hard to stay interested and stay uh, involved in the game when your team goes down 3 nothing pretty early on, and they weren't playing well, and Felix Sandstrom showed everyone that he's just not an NHL-level goalie. I mean, at this point, we know what he is. The only reason why we kept him was because he had to go through waivers, whereas we could send Arison down back to the Phantoms without having yeah. to go through waivers. And there's enough, at the or at the time, there was enough goalie injuries in the league that the Flyers thought if they put him on waivers, they would lose him to some other team. 
Yeah. I honestly think Sandstrom's been so bad he wouldn't have gotten claimed. He's just not an NHL goalie at this point. We've learned that this year. That sucks because Sandstrom at one point was a prospect. We thought, oh, hey, this could be a really good gem that we have in our system. And he's just every year just gotten worse and worse and worse. And now we're seeing it here where he's an okay AHL goalie and he's just not an NHL level goalie. And I think he'll be back in Sweden sooner than later. But the Flyers lost. And I think in big part was his level of play early yeah. on in the game. It was just yep. not good enough. Yeah. Yeah, tough loss for them there. And then another tough one um, just a couple days later on the 24th in Philadelphia again against the LA Kings. Um, this one, I did watch the the entirety of the game, which was nice. It was actually a very good game up until overtime. It was tit for tat. Thanks, refs. Yeah, it was tit for tat, back and forth goals. The Flyers score first, then the Kings, then the Flyers and the Kings. And then um, Rista Linen scored another goal, which was great to see. Like, I mean, it's only his second of the season and, like, second in, like, over a calendar year. So um, nothing to get too excited about, which is bad because we're paying him so much. But beside the fact, it's good to see people scoring again. And then uh, L.A. ties it up with um, just over a minute and a half left in the second period. The third period went scoreless, and then we get to OT. Which was kind of the real story of the game because, um, yeah, Tony D'Angelo got, I mean, arguably, and I think it was, ripped by, is it, Fe- it's Phoenix Copley, right? Yeah, there he, he's backing up uh, Jonathan Quick right now. Yeah, so Copley obstructs D'Angelo trying to get back on the forecheck, and then the Kings go down two on one, and they score, win the game. Kevin Fiala, right? Yeah. Yep, he scores the OT winner with uh, a minute a minute and nine seconds left in OT. Just, a, I mean, a tough one there, one where it's like I literally just turned the TV right off and was like, all right, time for bed. But, I mean, that's a, <laughs> that's a tough loss against a team like the Kings. I mean, they are better than the Flyers, I believe, in the standings. But for such yes. a game, that was seesaw back and forth scoring to have an end like that on a tough, arguable no call in overtime is is a tough one. Um I mean, again, the Flyers did go over three on the power play, so they had their chances there. They did hold the Kings to one for five on the power play. I mean, a lot of undisciplined play from the Flyers there for taking five penalties in the game. I think two of them came from Van Riemsdyk as well. So um, just, a, I mean, a tough a tough game, and it's a, it's a tough way to lose when you have kind of a, a missed call like that. And... I mean, I think, I believe, if I'm correct from remembering, Tortorello didn't really think it was a trip after the game in his press conference. But seeing it right away, I mean, me as a fan, I was like, whoa, like I threw the hand up like I like a referee would. And I'm like, we got tripped. Like, And then, of course, they go right down and score. So classic Flyers. But, um, again, just a tough loss there, Dave, and your thoughts on that game. And I didn't catch any of this game because I was at, this was the height of my sickness with the, with, with the Rona two weeks ago. Um, so I did not watch a single moment of this game until the highlights the next morning. Uh, fun fact time. There's only one team in both conferences that's in a playoff spot and they have a negative goal differential. And that is the LA Kings. Surprisingly, <laughs> they're second in the, they're second in the Pacific division. Um, after they're tied with Seattle with 63 points. So they're technically tied for first, but they've got a negative 10 goal differential. Because their goaltending has not been good this year. Yeah. Um. Arguably, a team. The Flyers played well when I watched the highlights, and you know, whenever you go to overtime, usually it's means it was a decent hockey game. Um. Just you know, human errors part of sports, 
and the refs done messed up and the Kings took advantage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then um, moving on just again, a couple of days later, the Flyers traveled to Minnesota to face the wild. Another game that ends in a less than favorable OT um, in Minnesota. Again, it was kind of a back and forth effort with each team scoring, the Flyers scored one in the first with the Wild scoring one in the second. Both teams scored in the third. It didn't know Flyers Kate scored from right in front of his uh front because he's from that part of Minnesota. Didn't he score and it was like right in front of his friends? Who Kate's? Yeah. Yeah, he scored the first goal on a deflection. Yeah. Um, but and this was a game, this was another entertaining game to watch. Um it was on ESPN plus and Hulu exclusively. I have thoughts about all that. We'll get to that. Oh, later. we're getting into that. Yeah. Um, there's a lot to get into, so brace yourselves. But another good game by the Flyers. Matt Boldy has two goals for the uh the Wild. And again, the Flyers were actually down two to one with about a minute and a half left in regulation. And um, I mean, it was again, it was an exciting game. I mean, the main storyline for the the most part of the game was that there were four fights in the game. Yeah, people awesome. people went people went to a fight and a hockey game broke out. Yeah. Um the first one I think was the quote unquote the main event, which was a little disappointing, but it was Nick Delorier against Ryan Reeves. Um it was like kind of just like a jostling match as opposed to match. any punches being thrown. People were giving the decision to Reeves. I mean, he got in a couple shots. Both guys got in a couple shots, but other than that, it was just kind of like Looked like interpretive dance when they were tugging on each other's jerseys. But, that's the heavyweight match matchup too. That, that that is a heavyweight bout. Yeah, but again, three more fights after that. Two of them were actually within 15 seconds of play, which was crazy. I mean, I was texting you and I'm like, "Yo, you're missing four fights. Like, you're missing like the the most like, I believe it was the most fights in a game in the league all season." So. That was a good storyline, but as I was saying, the Flyers were down two to one with just over a minute and a half left in the game. They pull the they pull Carter Hart for the extra attacker, and then Kevin Hayes. I was like screaming at my TV because he literally had so much room to shoot, and then he throws a pass at D'Angelo, and I'm like, oh, and then D'Angelo roofs it, and I'm like, yay! Like I was like, I actually cheered like in my <laughs> apartment, which was awesome, but. So that was cool, and then, I mean, another just deflating overtime loss where I think the Flyers had a 2-on-0 or a 3-on-1 going down into Minnesota's end. And, I mean, it was just instant karma for Travis Travis Konechny. There we go. Because he decides to be selfish on the 3-on-1, shoots one to Flurry. Flurry makes the save, and then they go back down the other end towards the Flyers netminder Carter Hart, and I mean Matt Sucarello. I hate I don't I hated to admit it at the time, but after watching the goal, it was a very nice goal. He absolutely walks Konechny with a dangle, gets around D'Angelo, and goes right in and scores the OT winner. And it was like I mean I was like again turned my TV right off and went to bed. So. It was it was a brutal loss once again, but another good game by the Flyers. Um, I forget. Um, Kevin Weeks, I'm sparing him because I like him as a broadcaster and he's a great guy. But the other, I mean, again, we'll get into this more in depth, but Hillary Knight and I forget the other dude's name that were on the broadcast were just yikes. Like, so we'll get into that. But Dave, your thoughts on the Minnesota loss? Uh, another game I didn't really watch too, too much of since I was 
sick with the Rona. Um, but I remember you text me. You're like, dude, are you watching this? And I was like, no, I'm about to go to bed. And, and you were like, dude, it, it's fight night. And instantly had to throw it on for a couple minutes before passing out. But <laughs> it's a game. It was a game they probably should have won, but they lost. Yeah. But, Dave, moving on from there, we have our last game before the All-Star break, the Flyers against the Winnipeg Jets once again. Once I again. did watch this game in its entirety. Uh, back on the 28th, last Saturday. Um, the Flyers, I mean, pretty easy here. The Flyers win 4 nothing in Winnipeg, of all, which was a great, I mean, that's a hell of a road win. A perfect road win, if you think about it. I mean, the shutout, and then he scored four goals. You get goals from Cates. You get one from Kiefer Bellows, the young guy who's had some trouble here. He's been up and down in the AHL. The Flyers got him on waivers a couple months ago. Tippett gets another goal. D'Angelo scores again. So, I mean, you're getting goals from guys that should score, which is good. I mean, Tippett, I think, has been the best story, one of the best stories of this season for the Flyers mm-hmm. where he's kind of come into his own, so to speak, and hopefully he only gets better from here. But Carter Hart with a 40-save shutout for the Flyers, and then they also chase Winnipeg Jets goaltender Connor Hellebuck, and they get the 4 nothing win, and they go out on a good foot in the All-Star break. Yeah, I mean, this this was a great game. This is how, like you said, a textbook road game. Um, they played, there were some times where Carter Hart bailed them out and Winnipeg did own the Flyers, but, you know, if you look at the, the, the deserve-to-win-o-meter, the Flyers... It, the era was on deserve to win, and they won the game. Yeah. Hart was fantastic. They got some excellent goal scoring when they needed it. Kiefer Bellows had a great shot down low that went top corner. Brennan didn't even realize it went in when we were watching him. I was like, no, that he he roof jobbed that puck. Like that was a snipe, and it was yeah. beautiful. And you can do more things like that. I mean, that's why he was a first round pick by the Islanders all those years ago was was because of his shot. Mm-hmm. Um, but a great game. Hart gets his first shutout of the season and his first shutout in almost a full calendar year. For some reason, for some reason, he's allergic to shutouts. Uh, I mean, the Flyers' defense from him hasn't been very good, but yet again, another strong defensive game from this mediocre defensive core. Um, I do need to give props. First, the line I thought had a hell of a game, even yeah. though Risto's, even though he he's been known as a more of an offensive big defenseman who hits every once in a while, he mm-hmm. wasn't known for his defense. Um, but actually, this year the Flyers' coaching staff have made it a point to really work and coach Risto on his defense. And this is the first year in his career where he's actually had positive de- defense analytics. Like he's actually like registering as a good defensive defenseman. Yeah. So with Risto being his size and right-handed and w- what he what he is, I'm I'm honestly we, we need good defensive defensemen on this team. So mm-hmm. if he if, if he loses some of his offense, but he can actually defend in his own end, I'm all for that. Yeah. So um, this was a nice win. It was a feel good win going to the All Star break. Um, the Flyers ended up submitting, uh, you know, got the record back to NHL 500 going into yep. the break. You know, they, they, they were in the span of games we just talked, they were 2 2 and 2. Um, so currently, where we sit right now, you know, they're 21 21 and 9. So 51 points. They're technically still five points out of a no, they're six points out of a playoff spot. Don't think they're getting in, but they're in the mix. So is this year definitely, Matt? I don't think um, has gone the way we thought it was going to go in the beginning of the year. No, um, but it's something we all kind of realized what could happen, knowing who they hire as their head coach. And it's it's kind of I'm a little bit torn as to how I feel the fact that they're 500 at the All Star break because you know this is a year where the draft is really 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 good and the Flyers you know they need to rebuild. 
Yeah. And they're going to probably end up picking like 10th to 15th. And it's just not, not getting the level of talent in the draft that the flyers need to get better in the long haul. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, Tortorella is help getting some of that flyers, broad street hockey culture back onto the team. Yeah, and you're seeing a lot of players respond well to it, like Aristolainen, like a Carter Hart, like a Samuel Arison when he was in net for a couple weeks there, mm-hmm. um, like a Cam York, Owen Tippett, Travis Konechny, and all the on uh, Travis Konechny real quick. I'm seeing a whole lot of people saying the Flyers should trade him now while his value is high and get rid of him. If anything, I think now he's shown you he's a player you should keep because he's still relatively young. And when, and when, if and or when the Flyers are good again in a couple of years, he's not going to be old as dirt. He'll still be a good player. Um, and you do need people with, with Atkinson being hurt and Couturier being hurt and Bobby Brink still just kind of finding his way with the Phantoms. You know, Konechny scores you goals. If you subtract Konechny from this roster, who are you going to replace his goal scoring? And I don't think there's a logical answer there. Um, there is one player I've been very disappointed with this season so far on Tortorella, and that's Joel Farabee. Yeah. Um, for a while there, he was progressing and progressing and progressing, and we thought we had an elite sniper forward in the mix. And just this year, there are games where I haven't even noticed him. So he's now a player who I am turning my focus on to, we need to be concerned about him, but who knows? He could turn it around. You never know. Mm-hmm. Sometimes this, this, this bye week and the all-star break, they, uh, the, a lot of the players get, you know, it helps rejuvenate recharge the batteries they come back and they're on fire for the second half of the year so yeah we shall see yeah i mean again i think it's it's been an interesting first half of the season so to speak to say the least but um it's tough because again there are so many questions with this team about how they're going to approach the second half of the season it's been more fun than last year i'll say that again we we have said that where as long as it's entertaining it's kind of like you can somewhat put aside all the other problems but at the end of the day you still want a competitive team you want to be in the playoffs you want to contend for a stanley cup and it's been so long since we've had that and i think again for it's any team really but anything less than that is failure and Mm -hmm. i mean us being again like we're kind of spoiled where it's like the past six months we've had the phillies in the world series now we have the eagles in the super bowl the Union were into the MLS final. Yeah, the Union were in the MLS final. The Sixers, I think, are having a very a good season. They've had their ups and downs, I think, at points. But, I mean, the Flyers are the only other team that kind of haven't really turned that corner in such a long time into getting back into where they should be in Philadelphia-caliber sports. Where we, I mean, again, we, we hold our teams to a, a higher standard than every other fan base, I think. I mean, that's just probably bias of me, but it's also probably true. Um, so, again, there's still a lot of questions surrounding this team. There's still a lot of issues that need to be resolved. And it's kind of, again, we've said it before and we'll still say it. We're just kind of along for the ride at this point. Yeah, and it's frustrating because apparently during the time that we had off there, Matt, uh, there was reports breaking that apparently that when the Flyers had their 10-game losing streak back in December before the holidays kicked in and when they really started playing better. Apparently, it was reported that at the time, ownership was considering making a change at general manager. Yeah. But then that Disney on ice trip and their play ever since has made ownership reconsider. 
Mm-hmm. So while it this year has been has been more fun than the past couple of years, and you're seeing some bright spots, at the end of the day, we can both agree that Chuck Fletcher should not be the GM to take this team into its next era of greatness if it, if it's ever going to happen. Yeah. And as of now, ownership seems okay with that. And all I'm seeing right now is what Chuck Fletcher did with Minnesota. He's just doing it now here in Philadelphia. Yeah, and that's that's a legitimate concern because yeah. Chuck Fletcher has to go. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think the best thing looking back on his tenure at um, with the Wild, the best thing to come out of that was Kaprizov. Yeah, that was a six round draft pick. Yeah. Other than that, I mean, again, we've talked about it before, but the Wild were basically just not even you they said- were. They were the brand flakes of... You call them the white bread of, of yeah, hockey. Yeah, they were the brand flakes or the white bread of hockey, where it's like, they're they're there, um, they might get exciting, they might be shitty, excuse my language, but it's like, they're just kind of dead in the water. And at some point, they have sputters in the right direction, more, more often in the wrong direction. And then, I mean, you see them now, where they're... I, I wouldn't say necessarily they're a Stanley Cup contender, but they're uh, a lot more of a powerhouse in the Western Conference than they were when Fletcher was there. They're, they're, they're becoming a contender. They've got the yeah. right pieces in place where they're within a couple of years, they'll be a contender. Yeah. And I mean, again, there's we <laughs> we don't know what's going to happen from here, but again, it's like there's there's still that feeling of being stuck in hockey purgatory and I think, again, they're going to have to make tough decisions where would you sacrifice Travis Konechny if it meant that we could start a rebuild? I mean, if, if the right – let me put it this way. Me personally, as a fan, if it means this Flyers team rebuilds, I'm keeping two players to build around. It's That's Carter Hart – or actually, no, that's three players. Excuse me. No, it's Carter Hart, it's Cam York, and it's Cutter Gautier. Yeah. Everyone else on the team is expendable. Mm-hmm. If it means you get a good package back, so if we have a contending team that offers us the world for Travis Konechny, and it is like a blow your socks off deal, you do it. Yeah. Well, while you make while us fans might not like it in the moment, if we can look at the big picture and go, you know what, the Flyers because of this are going to be better. Do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think I mean I was going to mention this on the last one before. Um, before you got sick, but I think Charlie O'Connor wrote an article for the athletic about if the flyers were to trade Konechny with his stock being so high right now, then that would kind of be the, like a shock to the system, quote unquote, for the fan base and also to the team. And then it would be maybe, I don't think it will happen at this point, but maybe it would give the fan base and the team or some someone just like a, a shred of a shred of hope that, the management is committed to rebuilding. I mean, I, I, at this point, for this upcoming NHL trade deadline, with the Flyers not being a playoff team, if you ask me, um, every UFA needs to get traded away. Yeah. Every single one. So you, you're trading away Justin Braun again, and you're not bringing him back in the offseason. You're <laughs> trading away JVR, and you're not bringing him back again. Yeah. Like, you're moving... Every UFA that has NHL value is getting moved. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, again, I think it's just going to be another negative feather in the cap for management if the trade deadline comes and goes and the Flyers don't do anything. 
or if they make yeah. a minor if they make a couple minor deals for like fifth like five to fifth to seventh round draft picks it's like what does that get us like so yeah. i mean sure you find diamonds in the rough every so often in those late rounds but it's like you want first second or third round picks for the most part i mean it's like you can't if you're trading for assets get good assets yep or get guys that are going to want to come here they're going to be committed to like hey we're trading for you you're coming to philadelphia we're going to try to just blow it all up and then start over are you willing to be here for i don't know four five six seasons maybe towards the end of your career to help get it kick-started like you see that with, I mean, you saw it with the the Red Wings, the Rangers, all that. Like, I mean, guys naturally obviously get older, and then they, they do their time, so to speak, and they move on. But it's like, again, there, there can't be, there can be no repeats of this offseason and how mediocre it was after so much that was quote-unquote promised to us. So, I mean, the, the trade deadline is going to be the next big thing for this team. And if they don't do anything to impress the fan base, then it's just going to be back to, I mean, it's it's already, it's still at that vitriol that the fan base has towards management, but that's just going to rear its ugly head again. And it's going to just, again, it's going to, the Flyers are still a simmering sort of campfire if you look at it. And if management doesn't do anything to make them better or push them in the right direction, even if it's a small step for the trade deadline, then it's just going to be another cup full of gasoline thrown on the fire and it's yeah. going to flare up and it's going to get ugly. I mean, my, the, the they must, it, for my must list to do for the deadline, you have to trade JVR and Justin Braun. They're like, if you don't do one of, if you don't do both those things, the deadline is automatically a failure. Yep. So only time will tell. We're like a month away from that too. So yeah. it's coming up. Yeah, I think March 3rd is the trade deadline, so tomorrow yes. will be a month until the trade deadline. So, But before we get there, Dave, we will uh, let the Flyers have their bye week. Um, most of the team is, I'm sure, away, either with their families in Philadelphia. They're on vacation. Or, yeah, on vacation, um, with the exception of one, Kevin Hayes, who is the lonely representative of the Flyers at the All-Star Game. If you want to count Gritty, that's fine. I mean, every team's mascot is there, so he's not really anything anything to get at. He's not going to be playing in the game, obviously, but um, they have had some good Gritty content the past couple of days. So uh, that's been a nice distraction, but um, actually, that's all is. yeah, I'm actually going to save Kevin Hayes for the end of the podcast just because it's kind of like a – it's a heartwarming story, obviously, because it's his first All-Star game. Um, he obviously lost his brother, Jimmy Hayes, uh, was it last year or over a year ago now, right? Last, last, not this past off season, but the off season before that. Yes. But anyway, I mean, obviously he went through a traumatic experience losing his brother such in such a soon, such a sudden manner. Um, but we have, he actually just talked with the media um, ahead of the All-Star game earlier tonight, just around like 8 o'clock the article came out. So we're going to save that, but we'll give everyone the rundown here of the All-Star game, and then we'll get into our, our hot topic of the night, which is NHL viewership, and then we'll end it with a heartwarming haze, um, as I like to call it. But for those of you that don't know, again, like I said, the All-Star festivities are this weekend on Friday and Saturday. Friday night at 7 o'clock on ESPN, they'll have the skills competition. 
And then on Saturday, starting at 3 o'clock on ABC, will be the three-on-three All-Star Game Tournament. So, Dave, we'll start off with Friday night here. Um, I do have the slate of the skills competition events, and we'll just I'll, I'll run through these. I'll give you some of the participants on each one. And, I mean, again, we'll just kind of go through and give our thoughts on all of it, have some fun with it, because it is a, it's a fun weekend for hockey fans and players. So, but on we go. So, uh, we have a couple of new faces, so to speak, for the skills competition. But running down the list here, we have the fastest skater competition, the breakaway challenge, the Tendi tandem, which is new, the slap shot, I think it's just the hardest shot. No. This just says enter, um, no free ads. Enter, Enterprise NHL slap shot, whatever that is. I'll have to read on that. Um, next, we have the accuracy shooting competition. We have pitch and puck. And then we have the hardest shot. So let me see if I can. So our first new event, the Tendi Tandem, has eight goaltenders participating in this event with one goalie from each division designated the shooting goalie and one in the one being the in-net goalie. The shooting goalies will earn points based on the accuracy of their shots at the net, and the in-net goalies will face rushes of three, two, or one players based on the number of points earned by the shooting goalie in their tandem. So shooters participating in this event, I believe, are all... Canadian and American women players. Uh, we have Alex Carpenter, Hillary Knight, Emily Clark, Rebecca Johnston, and Sarah Nurse. The goaltenders, we have Connor Hellebuck from the Jets, UC Soros from the Predators, Shesterkin from the Rangers, Stuart Skinner from the Oilers, Sorokin from the Islanders, Thompson from the Knights, Olmark from the Bruins, and Vasilevsky from the Tampa Bay Lightning. Dave, before I move on, any thoughts on this new Tendi Tandem Challenge? Could be fun, could be interesting, could be a complete dud. We're only going to find out Friday night. <laughs> tomorrow Agreed. evening, as a matter of fact. Or True. tonight, I... for those who are listening, tomorrow. Yeah. Um, it's like a fourth and, wall. And... It's not a fourth wall. True. We're, we're going into the future here. And then our other new event, the Pitch and Puck. This is using a combination of hockey and golf shots. Four NHL All-Stars will play a par four featuring an island green with the lowest score winning the event. So I guess it's basically like it's golf and hockey combined. Um, The four participants in this will be Johnny Gaudreau of the Columbus Blue Jackets, Clayton Keller of the Arizona Coyotes, Jason Robertson of the Dallas Stars, and Nick Suzuki from the Montreal Canadiens. Dave, any thoughts quick on chipping or pitching? I mean, Three out of these four players should be very good at golf because their teams will make the playoffs a lot. <laughs> uh, that would be Goudreau, Keller, and Suzuki. Montreal, Arizona, and Columbus have stunk lately, so they're used to plenty of time on the golf course. Mm-hmm. So they better be excellent at this challenge. If not, it's a failure on them. Yeah. Um, Although Goudreau technically has been with the Flames up until this year, so I guess I, I could exclude Johnny from that dig, but I won't. Yeah. But um, we have, uh, of course, throughout the weekend, we'll have some celebrities in the audience, as well as we'll have special guest judges for the NHL Breakaway Challenge, including actors, 
Adam DeMarco and Dylan Playfair of HBO's The White Lotus and also of Hulu's Letterkenny, uh, respectively. Um, great show. Haven't haven't I haven't watched the new season yet, so I have to catch oh, up. Oh, phenomenal! That. Um, and then also judging them, judging them, also joining them on the judges panel will be top professional tennis player Victoria Azarenka, as well as WWE superstars Montez Ford and Angelo Dawkins, known as the tag team The Street Profits. So we have a nice little lineup of celebrities there to be judges for the Breakaway Challenge. We also have a celebrity goaltender for the Breakaway Challenge, none other than Roberto Luongo coming oh, out of, coming out of quote-unquote retirement for uh, a celebrity goalie performance in the breakaway challenge and then we also have an interesting development that has happened over the past couple of days where we have ovechkin and crosby teaming up with each other to both compete in this breakaway challenge together as a tandem so um, yeah that, that was be... the league writing both of the checks saying hey do this yeah but um the breakaway challenge i think is one of the more exciting events of the night other than that i mean uh, it's again the skills competition. I think like we've talked about before, it's cool to watch, and like if you're actually at the arena. But I mean, and again, we'll talk about this. But it's like we're watching this at home. I'm sure we're just gonna be bombarded with ads and cringy interviews with players, and just I mean whatever else comes along with mascots and all that stuff. But it's fun to enjoy just kind of pressure free hockey, so to speak. And we'll see these players be able to show their skills, literally. So um, looking forward to it. And again, that's the first of the two events this this weekend with the All-Star Skills Competition starting tomorrow night, Friday, at 7 o'clock Eastern on ESPN. Yeah, looking forward to it. I mean, then all, all the other events are your typical, you know, fastest skater, um splash shot which is something new um you got the and the typical of the accuracy shooting which kevin hayes is participating in which i don't really he's not really known as a sniper so he's probably gonna be really bad at that um mm-hmm. and of course hardest shot that's just like that's like the top it's like the top one i think that's gonna be really fun to watch but yeah no i'm looking forward to it the best part of the weekend is the skills comp because the three tournament is kind of stale at this point um yeah but all in all, it should be a nice, fun, enjoyable weekend if you're not too much of a grumudgeon. Yeah, I mean, again, take it for what it is. And, like, this isn't winning anyone the Stanley Cup. It's just for fun. Um, so, but um, moving on from there, we go on to the the main event, quote-unquote, of the weekend. I'm trying to find the roster for the All-Star game. Uh, uh... Stick with me here. I've got it. <laughs> Okay, but um, Dave, I'll I'll preface this and then I'll throw it over to you, but the All-Star game itself, like I said before, just a few minutes ago, will be on ABC at 3 o'clock Eastern um, on Saturday, so there'll be the first game, I think there's a a total of three games, is it three games? Because it's each division plays, or no, each division plays twice. So I think they, uh, the Metro plays the Atlantic, and then the Central plays the Pacific, and then so there's three there's three total games. Yeah, you yeah, got yeah. Metro versus Atlantic, Central versus Pacific, and then the two winners play in the championship game. In the final, yep, yeah. 
So, um, but Dave, I'll throw it over to you now. Obviously, you have the roster for us for each each uh, I guess each division, and then yes. just kind of run through those quick. And I mean, there's really not much to analyze here because it's it's a it's a fun thing. So yeah, but um, go for it. So for the Metropolitan Division, you have Sidney Crosby, Johnny Goudreau, Kevin Hayes, Jack Hughes, Brock Nelson, Alex Ovechkin, Artemi Panarin, Andre Svechnikov, Adam Fox, Igor Shosturkin, and Ilya Sorokin. Um, then for the Atlantic, you have Alexander Barkov, Nikita Kucherov, Dylan Larkin, Mitch Marner, David Pasternak, Nick Suzuki, Brady Tuchuk, Matthew Tuchuk. Rossin Stalin, Andre Vasilevsky, and Linus Allmark. Then for the Central Division, you have Kirill Kaprizov, Clayton Keller, Nathan McKinnon, Mika Rantanen, Jason Robertson, Vladimir Tarasenko, Seth Jones, Kale McCarr, Josh Morrissey, Connor Hellebuck, and UC Soros. For the Pacific Division, Leon Dreisaitl, Kevin Fiala, Bo Horvat, who we will get into this in a little bit, but he was just recently was a member of the Vancouver Canucks but was traded to the Islanders. So he's representing the Islanders, but playing for the Pacific Division. So that's cleared up. Uh, Bo Horvat, Nazem Kadri, Connor McDavid, Elias Pedersen, Chandler Stevenson, Troy Terry, Eric Carlson, Stuart Skinner, and Logan Thompson. Um, weird. I, I didn't think McDavid, I know McDavid was voted, but I didn't see him listed in the events. Like he wasn't doing fastest skater, which is weird. Um, but yeah, those are your 2022-2023 NHL All-Stars. And of course, not participating because they were injured um, as Maddie Beniers, um, Tage Thompson, Austin, and Austin Matthews. They were voted in but had replacements named for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting that McDavid isn't in past a skater. Maybe yeah. he, doesn't, he doesn't want to get hurt. Maybe. But it's weird that he's in the all-star game and not doing that. Yeah. So. Oh, oh well. Um, but yeah, I mean, those are obviously stacked rosters for each division. It's the best of the best, pretty much. It's the all-star game for a reason. These guys have been standouts on their respective teams all season um, so far, and I'm sure they will continue to do so. But I mean, to wrap it up, Dave, that's it's, it's two days of just fun hockey to watch the, the three on three gets stale at times, but I don't really think there's really any, I don't think the NHL can do kind of what the NFL is doing with like the Pro Bowl games as because like, which is this weekend as well. Yeah, Saturday Um, night, which makes sense as to why the NHL All Star Game on Saturday is in afternoon time. Yeah, Um, I mean that'll be that should be interesting to watch, but um, yeah, I mean it's it's again it's it's fun for the fans. I'm sure it's fun for the players. Maybe I don't know. They might just rather be on vacation for a week as opposed to having to do a bunch of media. And I mean, they're having the All Star Game in Florida this year in South Florida. The That's Panthers true. are hosting, so I wouldn't. If a lot of teams, oh, so half the league had their bye weeks this week. The other half will have it next week. I'm sure some of these players arrived in South Florida early if it was their bye week. Yeah, yeah. I mean, again, it'll be fun weekend of hockey um and hockey and happiness is that a good way to sum it up <laughs> yeah i mean hey it, it, it's a fun event it, it's enjoyable um there's gonna be probably something fun or stupid that everyone will make fun of like what wh- what are crosby and you gonna do together it's either gonna be a they're, they're either gonna hit that out of the ballpark or they're gonna be made fun of relentlessly 
Yeah. It, there's no middle ground. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, you take it for what it is and you enjoy it. And then we get back to our regular hockey. The Flyers next game is the sixth uh, Tuesday um, against the no. It's Monday against the uh, is it Monday? Hold on. Let me check my calendar. Yeah, Monday the 6th against the Islanders at the Wells Fargo Center. So, again, we take it for what it is, and then we move on, and we go on from there. But, uh, Dave, any final thoughts on the All-Star weekend before we get into our meat and potatoes topic of tonight, aside from the Flyers? No, no, nothing much. All right. So, with that being said, we will get into the juicy details here. Um, the the buzz for the last couple of days or so here has been on Twitter via um, I saw the tweet from Mark J Burns, but he also said that his findings were from one Austin Carp. Um, so credit to both of those people, both of those guys for tweeting this information to everyone. But um, according to both of them, the NHL U.S. television national viewership is down 22% this season. Um, NHL regular season games to date have averaged 373,000 viewers on ESPN and TNT, with the second season of the league seven-year packed with Disney and Turner. Last season, the NHL averaged 478,000 viewers at this point last year. So... um, I guess before we get into this, Dave, do you have any thoughts on viewership being down? I know that's kind of what we're going to talk about, but um, just, I guess, like a quick initial reaction to seeing that. I'm not surprised one bit. Um, The NHL has a problem where they're not, their marketing team is just not good. Mm -hmm. Um, They have... You know, the schedule is just made up weirdly. They don't stagger the start of game times. I think them flexing moves to still having blackouts, but also then having games only be on streaming services is questionable. Uh, just they're, they're really shooting them. They're shooting themselves in their own foot. Um, there's a lot of things they could be doing to help grow the game um, if they're moving to, to our, our more stream based package. Um, but they haven't done that. And then when also you compare going with the two networks of ESPN and TNT, TNT broadcast has been phenomenal, whereas ESPN has a lot of work to do. And I think that definitely has played into the hands of viewership being down. Yeah. Because when I, when I hear a game is nationally broadcast, my fingers are crossed it's on TNT, unless I hear that Kenny Albert's calling the game. And I'm going, God damn it, I wish it was on ESPN. But <laughs> any other time it's on TNT is an overall more enjoyable experience than watching ESPN. Because the Stanley Cup final last year wasn't very exciting on ESPN. This year, no. TNT has the coverage. And I think it's going to be a phenomenal broadcasted final. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think the, the, one of the main things this season, especially as opposed to any other ones is the moving ads on along the boards. Um, I mean, terrible idea you have. Yeah. You have ads everywhere on the screen and granted, yes, hockey is the best. It's the best sport to watch live out of any other sport, but it's never been good on TV. And I mean, they've just kind of made it worse where I tweeted out today where, you have, I mean, hockey is a constantly moving game where the camera is trying to track all the movement of the players, the movement of the puck, especially. And there's people that don't regularly watch hockey like us that might want to turn on a game just for the hell of it. But they don't even know what the hell is going on because 
I mean, they're too distracted by um, be, by the ads rolling on the the boards during play, or they have ads on the end boards behind the nets, or they have the ads at the blue line instead of just like I mean, we talked about this. What was it last year, two years ago, where instead of having the actual painted Stanley Cup playoffs and whatever year it is, like it was it an was, ad. Yeah, it was a it was a it's an it's a projected ad, and you I mean. Again, if you want to, I think you have to kind of cater more towards diehard fans as opposed to casual fans for these broadcasts because, not no offense to anyone else, but we know how to watch hockey, right? Yeah. So it's like at least I think so. Yeah, I hope so. Um, <laughs> I mean, if not, I've been doing it wrong my entire life. God damn it. <laughs> something. Yeah, something must be wrong. But um, I don't know. I feel like the NHL is kind of trying to cater to the wrong audience as opposed to like if it ain't broke, don't fix it, so to speak. Where again, I understand that the league needs revenue from advertisements. They need to do commercials. But the revenue is not even going anywhere. Yeah. If the revenue was being if 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 the ads were worth it, it would be raising the salary cap every year and the cap's yep. not going up. So where yep. is this money going? Like what, is, what is the league doing with it? Yeah. The salary cap went up by what a million dollars this this ball this Woo! past off season. Like, and then we but yet we had ads on helmets. We had the moving ads. We had all like you had the, the ads are coming TV, to jerseys. You had the new TV deals. Like where again? Like you said, where is all this money going? And like here we are talking about that when the the survey came out a couple months ago or so when like they were like oh yeah like everyone loves these moving ads and all this stuff. And we're like, are you talking to? Yeah. Like, are you talking to people who are in like mental hospitals? Like no offense to those people, but you know what I mean? Like just crazy people who like, don't even know what they're watching or what they're talking about because they don't have the experience with it. But I I think that's one of the main problems. And then, um, actually I got one of the, I retweeted a couple tweets from, I don't know. You might know this guy. Uh, is it? It's Jay Sequella on Twitter. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's big in Flyers Twitter. Yeah, so, he interacts I mean, he actually, with a uh, friend of the pod, Mikey from Orange Blackback a lot. Yeah, so he made. I mean, he made a, a, a myriad of good points here as to why viewership is down. I'll just run through these quick. So, um, the games are usually not exciting. I don't know if I necessarily agree with that. Um, it depends. So, it depends on who you're watching. Being a Flyers oh. fan lately, I would say that he's correct. Yeah. Um, his next point is teams don't really have personalities anymore slash rivalries. That kind of got ruined with the fact that when we were back on NBC Sports Network, every Wednesday night was Wednesday ri- night rivalry. Yeah, rivalry night between like the Blues and the LA Kings, and it's like no, that was kind of rivalry because they play each other in playoffs. So try yeah, I guess. Um. The Bruins and the Vegas Golden Knights. Yeah, th- there you go. That's not a rivalry. No. Like, um, and then let's see. This, I think the divisional, the division realignment played into it too because you broke up, you broke up Detroit and Chicago, which is yeah. one of like the greatest rivalry. That's an original six rivalry, and now they're in separate divisions. Well, and also again, you're only playing your divisional like to, like it rotates on how many times you play teams in your division. Like the, the Flyers. Flyers they only played the Penguins three times this year, and they only played them once in Philly. The other two games are in Pittsburgh. Like, yeah. what? <laughs> like, that's one of the best actual rivalries in the game, and you have them playing three times. And 
that's it. Like the last time they played each other was Black Friday, and they don't play each other again until like a month from now. Yeah. Like, how are you? You're not building rivalries that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, another point he has is again, like you mentioned, all the games start on the top of the hour, so every game is at intermission at the same time. So like, that doesn't do that doesn't help. Um, and then again, like you said, the NHL does a pretty bad job of marketing their players. So it's like, I mean, no one's ever talking constantly about Austin Matthews as opposed to LeBron James. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a, that's a huge thing. And the ESPN's not helping. No. Um, And then TNT is trying, but. I will say TNT is doing a better, a better job than ESPN, like you said, yes. because they already had that blueprint, so to speak, to work off of from the NBA on TNT crew, which is one of the best in sports with Shaq and Charles Barkley. I forget the other two guys' names. But, um, I mean, that panel's great, and they do great coverage for for the NBA. But it's like the NHL, I think, is gonna, I think they lost a little bit when Tockett left to go coach, <laughs> and, tor- well, and Torts left ESPN. So... I don't know. I mean, again, and I think the main thing, too, is that they like ESPN just doesn't have good play by play announcers. No, they don't. Like, TNT I don't, like, got everyone good. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, again, it's no offense to their. Except for Kenny Albert. Because yeah. Kenny Albert's terrible. I'm probably going to get canceled for this, but it's more, it's 100% because of their talent as opposed to them being women. But. Leah Hextall and Hillary Knight are not good broadcasters, in my opinion. They they could eventually become, but right now they they are not. Yes, I was gonna say they right now they are not good broadcasters, in my opinion. The Flyers in the Wild game was it was Kevin Weeks and I forget the other guy's name. They were the play by play guys. Hillary Knight was the color commentary between the benches, and she I think again she there's room for improvement, which is good. She wasn't awful, but she wasn't very good, in my opinion, because. She would kind of lag behind in like adding into things, so to speak, and it would just be like like it would be awkward timing. So I think again, she has to work on that. And I'm again, she's going to be a lot better of a broadcaster than I'll ever be, and she's obviously a better hockey player than I'll ever be. So I respect her in every way. As I'm just being constructively critical. Yes. Um, of her one aspect of her career. Everything else is great. I love her as an American, as a hockey player, as a gold medalist. Um, I think she's a great person from what I know about her. Not that I'm like friends with her or anything like that, but you know, you know what I mean? Like, again, yes. it's, it's just because again, their, their talent level is not where it should be in my opinion for the, the so-called worldwide leader in sports. And yeah. it's the same thing with Leah Hextall where it's like, Oh, like, Great, she's isn't she's Ron Hextall's daughter, right? Uh, niece. Niece, that's what it is. So it's like she has that relation to Hextall, but I mean, we we've seen her, and again, this is from what I've seen on Twitter, but she's gotten roasted for some of her calls that she's made in games. And she was even she was calling games the past couple years uh, for SportsCenter up in Canada before ESPN hired her, and yeah. even then she was not good. Yeah, um, and then. I mean, I don't know. Steve Levy, he's meh. He's okay. Yeah. I get Bucci's okay. Here's ESPN's problem. They don't have anyone great. Yes. Everyone is TNT minus Kenny Albert. I have to I have to get my dig at Kenny Albert whenever I can. Because he just stinks. But like TNT 
TNT has the they got the I, I don't know their names, but they have guys calling. They go, oh, I recognize like they they have the guy who calls the Islanders games fills in for yeah. them. The guy who does LA Kings game fills in for them. Like these are like good playoff like not playoff but play by play guys. Whereas yeah. one ESPN just like okay, I mean everyone color wise on both networks is good. Where TNT mm-hmm. has the hand is their actual play by play people. And ESPN needs to get with it. You would think them being the quote worldwide leader in sports, they'd be better at this, but yeah. they're not. And it's definitely hurting the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think again, like there just needs to be more of a, I guess, well, less of a balance where it's like again, I understand they're trying to bring in new viewers, but it's like it's hard to teach someone the game and the ins and outs of the game when they can barely even watch what's going on. Yes. So it's like you need to have almost less is more, especially for hockey broadcasts where maybe again, this is never going to happen because they're just going to, they're not going to listen to two guys like us, but in a perfect world, so to speak, they would get rid of the moving ads. You just have the ads along the boards. Like it used to be. Maybe you keep the ones behind the nets, which is fine. That doesn't really interfere with anything. Um, but you just have to – there's got to be a different way to go about it. And I think, again, it doesn't help, too, because TNT has their thing where it's, what, Wednesday nights they have a back, they have two, a doubleheader mm-hmm. um, with an East Coast and a West Coast game. They have that good. But there's, I feel like there just has to be more on TV. Like, because – if you're if you're if you're saturating the market with things, then more people are gonna have to pay attention. Where if you have ESPN on, or if you have TNT on during prime time type hours, or even if you're just watching Sports Center and you have these dedicated time slots, I mean, yes, ESPN has the point that show, which I think is on. I don't know if it's every day, um, but I mean, I think it's on at like three o'clock in the afternoon, which is like a weird time. But again. The NHL needs to find a way, and again, with their the partners in their broadcasting, to find a way to kind of wedge themselves in more, where it's like, be annoying, so to speak, so that people are forced to pay attention to you. And yes, obviously it's a cash grab that you have Hulu and ESPN Plus that these games are on. You can pay the money and watch all the streaming, but then you have blackout problems as well. The NHL still has center ice, which is weird. Like, why would you not just kind of drive everyone towards ESPN Plus? Um, again, it's the the TNT side of things. I think is a lot better than ESPN. I think the ESPN side of things still has to get more cohesive, um, and it's almost kind of too full of itself. Where it's like, oh, like we're we're ESPN. We don't really have to do anything too special here. But it's like you're the worldwide leader in sports. You shouldn't have a handful of like meh people like these are they're good sports personalities like i love steve levy i like bucci gross bucci gross gets a little stale sometimes it's kind of like fratty hockey like lingo and stuff like that like mm-hmm. I, I mean i still like the guy he's a great uh like he's a good um play-by-play barry melrose is good when he's there for college hockey for the most part for the most part i love kevin weeks um but again i think tnt is just a lot better than espn at this point and ESPN just needs to find that thing and the NHL in general, obviously where the viewership is down 22% a lot. Um, so you have to, I mean, again, as they say, Leonard Kenny figure it out. Yeah. And I wonder if you're going to see comparing viewership 
MLS just launched their new streaming service where they're going exclusively to Apple Apple TV Plus. But um, no matter what level of subscription you have, whether it's for the year or month by month, you get every game with no blackouts. Doesn't yep. matter where you live, you can get you get every single MLS game. And Blackhawks, Blackhawks, they are hurting hockey right now. Uh, but blackouts will hurt the game too because you have some people who technically, you know, could be a multiple hour drive away from the Flyers um, that are fans of them, but because they're in the quote unquote Flyers region, get blacked out. So mm-hmm. now all you're doing is you're turning those people to piracy. So therefore you're losing money. Like if the NHL did something similar to MLS where they made just one streaming package where you paid this flat fee a month or this flat fee for the year, and you got to watch every game with no restrictions, I think that would be a cash cow. Yeah. And that's what ESPN plus should be. Oh, it, it 100% should be, but it isn't. So yeah, it's, it's, yeah, but anyway, Blackouts are dumb and outdated. Be yeah. gone, Satan. Yeah, there's enough money in TV nowadays where anyone can figure out how to make it. People and people will pay. Yeah. Like I would pay, I would pay money. Like I think we've talked about this before as a joke. We'd pay money to watch uncensored broadcasts of hockey games where you can just hear guys chirping each other, hear all the cursing from the players, from the refs. Like it would be like pay-per-view hockey. Like yep, you pay, you could pay per game, per season, per twenty games, like whatever. Tell me that wouldn't make a crap ton of money. Or even just for your team. Yeah. I don't know. Again, there's 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 ways there's ways to go about it. Maybe they're thinking about it, maybe they're not. Maybe they're again, they're kind of stuck in their ways, so to speak. But hopefully this is a little bit of a wake up call where they're like, Oh, like we don't have nearly as many people watching games last like now as we did last year. So I don't know. There's work to be done, as they said, yes. as they say. So, but Dave, moving on from there, we rest our case for now for the viewership argument, and we will move to our last topic of the night um, with Kevin Hayes, the Flyers All Star Game representative. Um, just a feel good story here from M. I think it's Emily, Emily, Emily Benjamin from NHL.com. Um, Hayes was interviewed again earlier tonight, right around 8 o'clock. The article came out, but basically just spotlighting his first All-Star game in his career, um, how it's bittersweet in the fact that obviously his brother Jimmy Hayes is not around to see it, um, won't be in the stands and all that. Obviously, Jimmy Hayes did play for the Florida Panthers at one point, played seven seasons in the NHL for the Blackhawks, the Panthers, the Bruins, and the Devils, uh, passed away at age 31 back on August 23rd of 2021. So, I mean, again, just a terrible loss for the hockey world, especially for the Hayes family. Just, again, so sudden, so terrible, and we, it's still very sad. But um, it's, again, it's bittersweet because Jimmy Hayes' son, Bo Hayes, I believe, yes, um, will be there with Kevin this weekend. He'll, I'm sure he'll be getting the... Um, the grand package of everything and all that. So um, it's just nice to see kind of Hayes again, honoring his late brother by giving uh, his son the opportunity to 
um, just be a part of everything, continue to be a part of his life, and to kind of again have Uncle Kevin for for there for him. Um, there was a video, I think it was back around Martin Luther King Day when the Flyers were in Boston to play the Bruins, where like there were six or seven players down in the uh, Jimmy Hayes' basement playing like knee hockey with his son. So, mm-hmm. um, I mean, again, it's it's a very emotional thing, and. Um, it's just, again, it's good to see Hayes there doing this for his brother, doing it for himself, getting an achievement that he's always wanted as a hockey player, um, representing the Flyers and all that. So it's a, it's a good, again, it's a heartwarming yet bittersweet story to end things for the week. Yeah, no, you, you said everything that needs to be said, Matt. It, it is really good. Um, and it's nice that Bo is going to have, you know, a great uncle in, in his life for the rest of his life. So it's a, it's, it's a nice little feel-good story, something, you know, that we can kind of hang our hat on and be proud of, you know, that Kevin Hayes is, you know, not only a, a proud member of the Flyers, but he's also, you know, a great family man. Yeah, definitely. Um, but with that being said, I mean, that pretty much does it for me this week. We have, again, the All-Star game to look forward to. We'll probably, yeah, we'll be back next week at some point before before the big game, uh, the Super Bowl. Yes. So um, we're, we're, we're continuing to gear up for that as Eagles fans as well. But, um, yeah, I mean, we'll enjoy the festivities this weekend. The Flyers are back in action on Monday night against the Islanders in Philadelphia. And from there, just over, well, not just over, we're at 31 games left in the season, which is crazy. I mean, it's we're already, flying by. This year is going by really, yeah. really quickly. So, so um, the Flyers will be back again on Monday night. We'll be back sometime next week. And um, Dave, just glad you're healthy again. Thank you. <laughs> And as am I, trust me. Yeah, I was gonna say, I'm sure you and Brenna obviously are both happy to be healthy once again after your short term IR stint. But uh, glad that you're back on your 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 rehab conditioning stint is over and it seems like you're back to 100%. Yeah, fi- finally have our first beer league game of the winter season coming up Monday night. Um, our first game of the season we had to forfeit because we couldn't find a goalie in time. And then we were supposed to have a game on Sunday, but the Eagles happened. So that got canceled by the rink. So now we're finally playing Beerly Hockey Monday night. I'm ready for it. Dump a change back in action. I'm back in action. Looking forward to it. It's going to be great. Of course, we'll have the podcast later in the week. So I'll probably watch most of the Flyers game and listen to it on my way to the rink. But (laughs) you're going to have to carry the load when we talk about that game because I'm not going to remember everything from it. But um, sorry for a little bit of the longer episode, gang. We did have a, a lot to talk about this evening. We didn't even get to address the Bo Horvat trade, which for those real quickly who know, Vancouver Canucks captain um, was traded to the New York Islanders for Anthony Bolivier Atu Ratti mm-hmm. in a conditional first round pick. Um, so that's kind of the big, that's like the first blockbuster trade of the year. Um, and then former hockey legend, while questionable person in life, Bobby Hull passed away. We're not going to go into details about his personal life. If you know, you know. If you don't know, you can look it up and make your own opinion. We lost a great hockey player, but not the best person. That's all we're kind of going to leave it at that. Um, Any quick thoughts on the Bo Horvat deal real quick? Because I know we're not really – we're not a flyer. We're not not an Islanders podcast. We're not a Canucks podcast, but it's the first big deal of the year. 
Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's good to see a deal like this in season, so to speak, before the trade deadline. Um, it's pretty surprising, and I, I think Bo Horvat himself was surprised because he came out and said, he's like, I thought I was going to be a Canuck for life, and obviously now he's not. So, um, I mean, hey, I I don't like the Islanders, so hopefully he doesn't do well against the Flyers. I mean, it gets the Islanders some well-needed goal scoring. Um, we'll be, you know, Bo Horvat, he wants to be making the playoffs. Yeah. So will be what would be really interesting is if he gets flipped again at the deadline if the Islanders don't improve their chances. So yeah, I mean the Canucks themselves are a little bit in the doghouse too because obviously of the way I think they mistreated Bruce Boudreau on his way out and uh-huh. now they have Rick Tockett behind the bench and I mean Tockett's a it's I don't know he doesn't have I don't he was an assistant with Pittsburgh and then he was the head coach in Arizona and then he obviously he was went, the head coach in Tampa. He he's got a good rapport as an assistant coach, but he's been a very bad head coach so far yeah. in his career. So yeah. Vancouver Canuck so, fans aren't exactly the happiest fan base in the world right now. No, neither is Boy Bo Horvat. So but yeah. again, we'll see what happens. I again I don't think the Flyers are gonna make the playoffs, but maybe the Islanders will kinda <laughs> do the same and fall off. I mean, the island, all the Islanders need to do is make it, and then once you just make it, the team like them, they the rules change in the playoffs, and they've got one of the best goalies in the league. Yeah, they just broken. they just uh, as Biz says, they just snooze fest you to death, suffocate. Yeah, they're just like the Devils. They're just like the Devils when the Devils were like good, in parentheses. Yeah, but I don't know. It is what it is. But yeah, I mean, again, it's uh, that's. It's tough for Bo Horvat, but hopefully he doesn't plan. He doesn't pan out with the Islanders. Yeah, that, they don't want him in the Metro Division. That's no. all I can say. Is he needs to go somewhere else. Yep. Um. Another note before we do end it, please do check out our great affiliates in the Pod Street Bullies for all those listening. Mm-hmm. Um. If you're listening to us, you should be listening to them. Again, they're pumping out excellent weekly content. The three of us, and as I say, the three of us, myself, Mastro, and Pod Street Hoags, will be together for a mountain soiree in a couple of weeks. So perhaps check out your our social medias for maybe some content that weekend because there is some hockey going on. Perhaps we'll chime in our thoughts together as, as a trio. Who knows? We'll see what happens. But check out their podcast. Check out their Twitter. Listen to them. Do it. Pod Street Bullies. With that, Matt, I've got nothing else for tonight. I'm all good here. So with that, we are back. Sorry for a little bit of the long length, but like I said, I was on the IR, so we had some stuff to catch up and talk about. We will be back next week. So with that, good night and good hockey.